Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. This is the time of year for family gatherings and holiday parties, but what if you're not in the mood because you're grieving? Today we talk about grief during the holidays. When someone you love dies, this period between Thanksgiving and New Year's is a harsh reminder of that personal loss. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to do this show is because my mother died in October, a little over a year after my father passed away, and then my dog died after 14 years as a treasured member of my family. So I've been learning that grief doesn't really go away. And while it's a cliche to describe grief as a roller coaster of emotions, it is a roller coaster. We want to hear from you today, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. And as always, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. Now, we will all experience grief at some point in our lives. How should adults help children who are grieving? Coming up, we'll hear from a family therapist from the Cove Center for Grieving Children in Meriden. Now, my first guest has been on the show before. We introduced you to Christy Koval back in 2016, when her husband, Tracy, was back battling cancer. He passed away that summer. Christy Koval, thanks for coming back to where we live. Thank you so, so much. Christy lives in Middletown. Uh, She's also public policy director for the Alzheimer's Association, the Connecticut chapter. Uh, I mentioned that your husband, Tracy, passed away uh, in 2016. So how did you approach the holidays after he passed? So the first year, I think, was probably the hardest year, although each year is a little bit different. And for me, just accepting that the holidays were going to forever be different and that they were going to be tough. I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway. Uh, That first year, I chose to mix it up a little bit, which is one of the things that people say, you know, you should do that could be helpful. So I spent uh, Thanksgiving with my family, and then I actually flew to Portland, Oregon, and saw my sister for Christmas. And, you know, it was a very different Christmas for me. So, um, you know, instead of cutting down a tree and having Christmas in Connecticut, I, you know, took a hike with my sister. I took a nap. We made dinner. It was really quiet. But at that point in time, it was very, very therapeutic for me. Was that your idea to uh, just ignore Christmas and go hang out with your sister? Or was this something that she had encouraged? You know, actually, um, it was about three weeks after Tracy died that I booked the plane ticket because I realized that I needed to go. I needed to travel. And I think that does happen for some people. That can be therapeutic in terms of it's a little bit of avoidance, but that's actually okay. If you need to avoid the holiday, you know, particularly that first year, that's okay. I had mentioned uh, that you've been on the show before. Uh, I even mentioned uh, when you were on talking about becoming a young uh, widow that you're naturally an extrovert, uh, very um, open to talking with people. People gravitate towards you, Christy. And so when you were dealing with the loss of your husband, how did you feel like your identity had changed? So, you know, I'd been Tracy's wife for, you know, 20 years, and I'd been with him for 25 years. And that shift of no longer being, you know, his wife and no longer, you know, spending time and spending holidays and and building those traditions, everything changed, you know, everything changes in your life. And so there's an entire rebuilding process when you lose your spouse. And it takes a while, it takes a while to rebuild and you 
are somebody different on the other side. Um, multiple people have said that, and it's it's entirely true. I am not the same person I was when I was married to Tracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you uh, were thinking about support, you have a, a close family, a close network of friends, um, but it's natural to want to talk with people that understand what you're going through, especially because you were a young widow. So tell us about that process. Where did you turn for help and Was it something that was satisfying to you uh, when you found maybe a support group? You know, it was. And as you mentioned, I am naturally very extroverted. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I was going through this process, you know, I attended a couple of support groups, you know, um, in Middletown. But one thing I found that was difficult is that the people were not my age. So I worked with the folks at Middlesex Health, and we started a support group for young widows, um, which meets monthly. And it has been unbelievably beneficial uh, for that. And also, I also found that social media has been incredibly helpful. There are a number of groups on Facebook, and you naturally connect with other people. I chose to be very public about my story. Um, and so, you know, I've met people along the way in the last couple of years who have had a similar experience and have reached out to me. And it's it's very, very therapeutic to connect with people that way. I, I find it to be. Mm. Uh, you mentioned that uh, you were very public about what happened. Uh, but I'm curious how people react when they find out that you lost your husband at a young age, because a natural thing is uh, for people to say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear. But you know, I've noticed that people don't really know how to respond to somebody when uh, they've lost a loved one. And uh, besides that, that initial, I'm sorry to hear, it's almost like they expect you to just kind of get back to normal. And they don't really understand it unless they've gone through it themselves. And so how did you approach that when you were talking with people who, who don't know what it's like to lose a spouse? So it's it's different for everybody, and I think um, we are very uncomfortable as a society talking about death and talking about grief. And you know, everyone wants us to just move on. And you know, there's no moving on in grief. It doesn't matter who you lose; you move forward. You move forward with your life. You move forward with that loss. And I think I was just very transparent about it. I was very transparent about changes in my life, whether that was uh, changes in my living situation, you know, I've moved since he died, you know, changes in um, friendships or things I wanted to do, dating, that's something that people are very uncomfortable talking about because you're married and but if you're younger, you may choose to date and, and that's something that people get a little um, uncomfortable about. Um, but you know, I just I'm very open about it. So, and I also recognize that my journey is not like anyone else's journey. So, when someone loses a spouse at a young age, they may choose to stay where they are. They may have a family. You know, people make their own decisions, and whatever decisions people make, it's the right decision for them. I'm talking with Christy Koval, who's a Middletown resident, as we talk about grief around the holidays. Again, this is a season where you're expected to be happy, uh, spending time with others, but it's easier said than done, especially when you notice at your family gathering the absence of a loved one. Uh, we want to hear from you today. Uh, the number to join our conversation, 888-720-9677. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. Uh, you mentioned that you moved from uh, the home that you shared with your husband, uh, because uh, it was hard to, to live in that home because of all of the routines, the traditions that you had shared together? It was. It was. It was, you know, a decision that I waited a little on. I, I stayed in the house for a couple of years, but 
it just I was living with ghosts throughout the whole house. And, you know, I loved my neighborhood and I loved my neighbors. And, you know, I love Middletown as a community. So I stayed in the community. I just needed to relocate and, and have a different space for myself. And for me, that was the best decision I could have made. I, I have a beautiful space now. It's my space. Um, and it's it was a fresh start. I mentioned that uh, Tracy passed away um, after a battle with cancer. Uh, when you were talking with him um, in those uh, the last year, because you would see him declining, how did you guys talk about um, your life after? That was really difficult. I, I don't think we probably processed this as much as we should have. Um, Tracy was really, really fighting cancer. Um, he was fighting to live. And we did a lot of things, particularly that last year. We traveled to Florida. We traveled to Maine. He tried to do as much as he possibly could until he couldn't anymore. And so I tried to have some conversations, but he didn't really want to because he was just focusing on living. So I think some people have more in-depth conversations with their spouse about it. We did not. But he just ultimately wanted to make sure that I was going to be okay and that I was going to be happy. So we chose to spend our time just kind of living, you know, in each moment. And I, and I think that was okay. Mm. I bring that up because in a way, there's no way to uh, be prepared uh, because you don't, you never know what it's going to be like when your loved one is no longer there. And so now that you are helping facilitate these support groups for other young widows, you know, what are some of the common themes that you're hearing from people as they navigate that first year, especially? So I spoke recently at Middlesex Health. They had a program on the holidays, and they asked me to speak. And I think one of the things somebody, you know, gave an audible sigh of relief is I said, you know, you don't have to decorate that first year. And someone said, oh, my gosh, are you really? And I'm like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. You, you need to do what feels right for you. And I think people need to feel like they have permission to grieve and have permission to feel. And this is a process for people. So I think that's the, the biggest takeaway is that it's, it's not a straight, narrow sort of a process. You're going to have good days, bad days. You're going to have something called grief brain, which is you, you can't seem to get it together. You may not have focus. And feelings and emotions are all really, really normal. So I think, you know, people have the three days of bereavement and then they go back to work and people are expected to be, you know, all back to normal. And it, it's just, it just doesn't work like that. Mm. Uh, talk a little bit more about that. So I had described grief as a roller coaster. And would you agree that's how you felt those first months uh, after? It's a complete roller coaster, you know, and the thing is, I would, I would joke around in sort of a dark way with my friends that I could have about 55 different emotions, you know, before nine o'clock in the morning, you know, getting up, getting ready for work, driving to work, thinking about my day, you know, ultimately forgetting things in the house because I just, I wasn't entirely right. Um, you know, and I think once I made peace with that and recognized that each day was going to unfold in a different way and that I had absolutely no control over my emotions, I felt a lot more peaceful with, with how I was living. Mm. Did you feel like at the time uh, where you were working, uh, they were able to to accept that, you know, you're going to have some bad days? Well, you know, at the time, um, I was actually working for the Connecticut General Assembly. And so that was a little bit tough because that's a very public-facing job. I, I had a wonderful um, boss and wonderful, wonderful colleagues. But, you know, it's one of those things where I found that I had to compartmentalize my life a little bit because, you know, I was researching bills and testifying on bills and, you know, I had to pull my act together because you, you can't, you have to make sure that you're pulled together, you know, to function throughout the day. But I found very work to be very, very therapeutic, actually. Mm. 
Again, we're talking about grief around the holidays. It's something that all of us will experience at some point in our lives. We want to hear from you about your support networks. Again, uh, the number to call, 888-720-9677. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. My guest in studio, Christy Koval, a Middletown resident. Uh, she lost her husband, Tracy, in 2016. And we're talking about talking with her about how she navigated a grief um, from that first Christmas on. Uh, this is now your fourth Christmas uh, without uh, your uh, late husband. So uh, what has changed for you? How have you been able to come up with new uh, traditions? And when these memories come back, how do you handle that? So this is my first year with a tree. Uh, I have a, a fake tree, which feels – I feel a little like a fraud, but that feels like a, a good thing for me to have. And I, I've decided that I'm going to keep the tree up for a little while. Uh, you know, I I choose to incorporate things that Tracy liked around the holidays. So there's recipes that I make for him that he liked. Um, you know, that's same thing with my mom because I lost my mom at a young age. So I've kind of incorporated their favorite things. You know, I spend uh, Christmas Day uh, with my brother and my niece and twin nephews. Um, my niece is seven and my nephews are four. And children bring incredible joy. You know, they love the holidays. So I, I think that's that's really wonderful. And I just surround myself with people who enjoy celebrating the holiday. And I recognize that it's not going to be joyful every single moment, but I am choosing to have the joyful moments. And I think that that's okay. I spend time with Tracy's family too. Um, we've developed a new tradition since he passed where they all come to my house the weekend after Christmas and I host and it's it's really lovely. So that's a new tradition. That's something that um, we didn't do when he was alive. Uh, do you, when you, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm battling this cold uh, this uh, last few days. Um, when you're talking with uh, other people who've lost loved ones for this, uh, again, support group that you've helped facilitate at Middlesex Hospital, even personally, uh, when people have are being told that, you know, you can change some of the routine around the holidays. You don't have to do what you used to do when your loved one was with you. Is that hard sometimes for people uh, to grasp onto? Maybe they think they're betraying their loved one if they make that change? I think so. I think so, because you're trying to navigate your life in a completely new reality. And it's it's never going to be the same. So the other thing I've told people, and I do this for myself too, is, you know, accept invitations from people to go to their house for holiday gatherings, but take your own car. And if it becomes uncomfortable or too much, you know, go home. So do what feels right. I feel like we try to force ourselves at the holidays to do all the things, you know, that other people expect from us when ultimately, if you're going through the holidays and you've lost somebody, it's it's going to be challenging. It's going to be tough. It may be difficult at times. And I feel like in order to have those moments of joy, you should be true to yourself and do what feels right and honor what your decisions are and honor your choices. Uh, you have a, a, a tip sheet, uh, actually 64 tips for coping with grief at that the holiday. That might be too many <laughs> of them, I know. <laughs> that might be too many. But tell us about some of the other uh, suggestions for people who may be listening, again, um, who are missing a loved one at the holidays and don't really know how to get through the next uh, few days. So I think, again, like I mentioned, you know, acknowledging that they're going to be tough. I think for a lot of people, including myself, there's this anticipatory grief. So sometimes you can feel more anxious before the holiday and the actual holiday may be okay. Uh, recognizing that, you know, the holidays will pass and you will ultimately be okay. They may be a little bit bumpy, but you're going to get through them. And I think you know, doing something for other people, sort of getting out of your own head, you know, whether that's volunteering for an organization or meeting a friend or seeking out supports 
is really, really important. And I think being honest with your family and with your friends about what you're feeling um, is super important because then you can open yourself up to receiving support. Uh, some people who may be listening uh, might not know how to respond to someone that they're close with who is grieving. Uh, when your husband passed away, you lived in a really great neighborhood where the neighbors really pitched in and helped with things like um, even uh, mowing your lawn. And, and that must have been such a, a relief uh, to have that kind of support. It was. I have to say the best thing people can do if they're listening and they know somebody in their life that's grieving is really just showing up for them. And you know, I the best gift that I got from my neighbors was, you know, they took care of all of my lawn care. They took care of snow removal that first year um, and showing up and, and not doing the thing where people do where they say, let me know if you need anything, because if you're grieving, you can't think. So the best thing you could do is say, you know, I've made some extra um, soup. Would you like me to bring some over tomorrow night? Or I'm going to the movies. Uh, do you want to join me tomorrow? Be really specific in what you're offering. Um, it could be something like, you know, would you like me to pick up your kids and take take them with me to a movie, you know, to give you some time. So to make tangible offers to people that they can kind of say yes or no to is super helpful. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. My guest today is Christy Koval, a Middletown resident, as we talk about grief around the holidays. Is this something you're experiencing? How are you approaching this season? You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Coming up, we're going to talk to a grief counselor. And then later, how do you talk about death to children, especially when they're grieving? We'll get some tips, too. We hope to hear from you. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. When you lose someone you love, you know that your memories of him or her can pop up when you least expect it. I'm talking about grief around the holidays with my guest, Christy Kovo, who lost her husband, Tracy, in 2016. Now, if you've lost a loved one, who did you turn to for support, especially during this time of year? We want to hear from you today. The number 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. Or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Now, joining our discussion now is Ada Rodriguez, who lives in West Hartford and is a licensed professional counselor. Ada, welcome to Where we live. Hi. How are you, Lucy? I'm doing well. And I should mention, I met you a few years ago uh, because of uh, Christy Koval, my other guest. We did this show again about uh, what it's like to become a young widow. Uh, this is something uh, that you experienced when you lost uh, your husband, I believe, five years ago. Can you tell us about him? Yes. Um, my husband um, was diagnosed with glioblastoma, and uh, he was a pretty healthy individual. So that really came like a shock to us. Once you start researching what brain cancer is, you realize and the type of brain cancer he had, it was, uh, it was going to be a long journey and our life had changed at that moment um, forever. So he battled uh, brain cancer for two years and then uh, he passed away. Um, he was a very energetic, full of life person, and the way he, you know, he faced his disease was um, with laughter. And you know, he would go to Hartford Hospital and make the nurses laugh, and he would come in singing. 
Um, he would have this group of people that would accompany him when he had to get the chemotherapy. So he, he lived life <laughs> until the end uh, with a lot of energy and spark. Mm. So I think that helped uh, me realize that that's how I needed to keep on living life. Mm. Uh, you also have two children. So they were fairly young when your husband got his diagnosis. So how did you talk about that with them? Yeah, that that was tough because now when I look back, they were like very young. You know, my youngest son was in the third grade and my older son um, had just started middle school. I think for the older, my older son, it was harder because middle school, you know, is such a tough, um, those years are pretty difficult. Um, so I think at the first year we were all in shock of what had happened and um, you know, I think I tried the best to be there for them. And um, and and I think for, I know for Christy was, um, you know, she felt like she had to, you know, uh, sell her house and move to another sp- spot, space for her. Um, for us, it was different because the kids needed the consistency, especially that, you know, first year. Um, So we stayed, we're still in the same house, in the same neighborhood. Um, They go to the same schools. Um, So, and everybody knows their story at school, in our neighborhood, and everybody's there for us and support us. So I think that's very important for the kids to know that the consistency, that their life hasn't changed, even though it it was a big change that not being there, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, at the same time, there's a lot of pressure on you, Ada, to help uh, your your children cope as well as um, dealing with your own grief. So where did you turn for support? Um, I think the important piece, and I, we've discussed this with, um, with Christy, that um, surrounding yourself almost with a tribe of people, those people that will be kind and be there for you um, and not you know, and I think you realize that sometimes there's people that don't bring the positive energy. They don't bring the, um, you know, they're critical and things like that. And it's okay to kind of step back and just try to be with the people that make you happy and bring you joy. So um, I think that's what I've tried to do to surround myself of the positive. I, I talk now a lot of positive energy, you know, but but I kind of feel it. You know, I, I find to um, surround myself with people that bring me that positive energy. Mm. Um, and also David's family has been, you know, wonderful. They're there for us, um, even though they live in Long Island, but um, they're always very welcoming and they're always calling us. So, you know, they're my family. So... You can join our conversation as we talk about grief. Again, this is something that uh, you may feel year-round after you lose a loved one. But during the holidays, uh, it can be especially tough when you think about these traditions that you have had uh, with a loved one. Again, we want to hear from you today, 888-720-9677. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Deborah is calling from Brantford. Deborah, you're on the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um I'm calling because I uh, was a young widow uh, with four children, ranging in age from elementary to senior year in high school, when my first husband passed away, um, unexpectedly due to complications with cancer. Even though we knew he was ill, there were sudden complications, and um, and he so he passed away suddenly. Um, we. We uh, leaned heavily on our community, similar to 
your most recent caller to provide consistency and support for for my children um, it was really hard to return to work um, but I had a lot of support from my from my company that I was working for at the time um, which you know they gave me an extended leave because it was just the logistics alone were unbelievable uh, that you have to manage when you're unprepared for something uh, like the loss of a spouse. Um, there's just so much to do, and that's not even the grieving part. Um, I, myself, and my children attended the Cove Center, and then several years later, I ended up getting remarried to somebody else who was also a widow, and we have now a blended family with seven children, um, so all of whom have, you know, lost a parent, and uh, it's been a very interesting, complicated, and amazing journey, mm-hmm. so... Well, thank you, Deborah, for sharing a little bit of your story with us, and we're glad to hear that uh, you and your family um, are doing well. You mentioned uh, the Cove. That's the Cove Center for Grieving Children. They're based at Merritt, and we're going to hear from a a family therapist from that organization that really focuses on how to help children who are grieving. Uh, Right now in studio with me is Christy Koval, a Middletown resident, and Ana Rodriguez, a West Hartford resident, who's also a licensed uh, professional counselor. Uh, Before I take another call. Uh, Ada, since the time that you lost your husband, you're now uh, a licensed counselor, as I just mentioned, but you're also um, helping people that are dealing with grief. And so can you talk a little bit about um, being a grief counselor and when should people seek out someone like you? Um, Yes, I think, unfortunately, the experience I went through um, has helped me realize how I can um, better support other people that are in the same situation. Um, I think the, the moment, it's hard to tell when you need to seek a counselor. However, I think when um, things start getting in the way of your daily functioning, I know at the beginning it's, it's tough and it's there, but if you're like two years, three years, four years, and you're still having these intense feelings of crying every day, um, you know, once the negative thoughts start coming in, some hopelessness, feeling worthless, um, wanting not to live anymore, you know, uh, going to addictive behaviors, uh, isolating yourself, those are kind of like the signs that you really need to be uh, reaching out um, and asking for, for help from a counselor. A lot of times I find that people, instead of getting closer to loved ones or uh, friends, they tend to remove themselves from that and are finding themselves isolated. So I would encourage those people to seek out a counselor or uh, support groups. Um, very important. Uh, some of the um, symptoms that you describe sound like depression, but grief is separate from depression, or can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, yes, I think you've gone, you know, it's almost like um, I was speaking with one of my clients, it's like one is like a tsunami of feelings that hit you, um, and you don't know what to do with them. And it's this um, idea that now you have to live with sadness and joy at the same time, especially when you have children. You know, there's all those moments where so you're so happy for them. However, there's that sadness there that, um, that the person that you love is not there to share that with them. So it's kind of blending um, joy and sadness at the same time and managing all those different 
feelings that oppose themselves. Um, and I think that's a little different from um, depression. You know, depression is more an overwhelming feeling of sadness. I don't think you feel that uh, accompanying joy there. So. Uh, Christy Koble's uh, with me again. Uh, she lost her husband in, in 2016. Uh, Christy, uh, did you seek out a grief counselor? I did. I did. I, um, I've been working with somebody for a long time. So I feel like that was really, really helpful uh, for me. And, you know, individual therapy, support groups, and then support of family and friends, it's all really important. And, you know, over the years, sometimes I've taken periods of time off, but then sought that help again. And I think recognizing that mental health should be just as important as your physical health is so important. Uh, Otto, for our listeners, if uh, they have, if they're dealing with grief and they have yet to seek out a grief counselor, what's the best way to find one near them? Um, I, I find like usually if you are connected with an insurance company, you know, you have an uh, insurance, uh, you, you call your insurance directly and they have listings of professional counselors in the area. Um, you also can go to uh, Psychology Today, uh, which is a website where you can um, find like specific for grief, uh, your insurance age group, um, and things like that. So that site is very helpful to psychology today. We'll try to tweet out a link uh, at where we live. You can also join our conversation 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. Katina's calling from Wyndham. Katina, you're on the show. Oh, doesn't look like Katina's there anymore. Let me try uh, Rose from Durham. Rose, are you there? Oh, hi. Yes, I am. Hi, Rose. Thanks for calling in. Uh, tell us what your question or comment is. Well, um, without going through the list of losses, um, there are multiple. And I also, on top of that, recently lost my baby brother at Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I feel like it's been a, a, every time I get up, I get punched down by another loss. So um, I feel lost. I, I, I feel rudderless. Um, and... Um, um, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm grieving correctly. Um, I wonder that support group for widows. Um, that if you're divorced, yeah, 25 years, and you've lost extended family, lost your health, lost your finances, and you're not exactly a widow. Where do you go for support? Rose, that's a great question. Uh, First off, we're sorry to hear about your most recent loss. Uh, Maybe our guests can uh, provide Rose um, some suggestions of where she could turn. Yeah, you know, Rose, I think um, if you, you know, do a little search. I think it depends on what your loss is. There are support groups for all kinds of things. Um, You know, there's, there's loss of siblings. There's loss of children. There's different support groups. And I think um, whether it be Middlesex Health or other healthcare providers or um, groups that are run throughout the state, I feel like doing a little bit of research, can prob- you can probably find the best group for you. Uh, go ahead, and Ada Rodriguez. Yes, and you can also go to two one one. There's a they have a website, and it's actually very very helpful. You can go in there and just type um, what you're looking for, and they'll give you a listing of um, resources in the area. Um, you also can call them directly, but I found their website very easy to use and very helpful. 
Okay. Thank you. Well, Rose, thank you for calling in. We hope that you uh, you give 211 a call soon uh, to get connected uh, with uh, some support uh, for you. And you can also join our conversation, 888-720-9677. As we talk about grief, again, something that uh, all of us will experience at some point um, in our lives. Uh, Ada, when uh, we were talking about um, your loss of your husband and certain routines and traditions that you wanted to keep going for the sake of your children, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious if you could talk more as a grief counselor, you know, what are some ways uh, to help uh, people um, who are in that process of they're not really sure where to turn, it's hard for them to get out of bed, um, some ways that maybe they can learn from you when you felt those things? What did you do? Um, you know, even though it's been five years, um, this year was harder for me, and I and I knew because David died in October 17th. So once October starts, and then the leaves start changing, and then the cold weather comes, it's a, almost like un, an unconscious feeling that I get this sadness. Um, so I knew that then winter is coming, so it's harder to get up out of bed. Um, so I think preparing yourself, doing things that you um, like, like exercise, even though we say it all the time, oh, go ahead go move. But, you know, it's amazing. I've been exercising pretty regularly since October because I knew this was coming. Um, And I definitely feel more energized. I get up in the morning, I go to the gym, I work out, and then I come home and I have all this energy. Um, So I would recommend people to really take a look at themselves and what is it that they need. So exercise, um, seeking a mental health counselor. I recently also went back to, um, to a therapist and that's helping me. Um, and also surrounding yourself of people that, um, you know, bring happiness to you. So go to that holiday gathering, um, even though it's hard um, to get out and say, oh, wow, you know, I have to get ready to go. But just push yourself, um, force yourself to do it. And I think that's a lot of, of that battle of forcing yourself to doing things that you really don't want to do, but then you do them and then you feel better. We heard. Oh, go ahead, Christy. So the other thing, and I didn't mention this earlier, I think that's exercise is really good, is to really be mindful of alcohol and food intake, especially around the holidays, because there's, you know, parties and events. And, you know, the tendency is to want to have a lot of consumption and alcohol is a depressant. So it's just it's one of those things to be really mindful of, of intake. Right. That's a good uh, thing to remember, uh, Christy. Uh, we heard from uh, Christy earlier about certain traditions that uh, took her a while uh, to go back to, like uh, having a tree. Uh, Ada, tell us about how you navigated that for your kids. Um, yes, you know, at the beginning, I I kind of tried to keep the same traditions. You know, we would go to a farm and we would cut a tree. But then after the first year, it was a complete disaster. You know, it was so hard to do it. I couldn't put the tree on the car, you know. So all these things get so complicated. So I think as the holidays have gone by, I've kind of, um, what is it that I want and need at that moment? And simplifying is very important. So I no longer send Christmas cards because that's a lot for me. So that has been eliminated. Um, Like Christy, I now have a fake tree that is easy to assemble. Um, You know, there's still a Christmas feeling in my home, but not how it used to be, and that's okay. And I've gone accepted change that that's okay. So I think that's another important piece, accepting 
that things will never be the same. Um, however, you can start creating new memories and new ways of doing. And what are your suggestions for listeners who may know someone who is grieving but doesn't really know how to approach him or her? Because you know, grief, depending on who they lost, it can vary. Yes, and I think like Christy mentioned, it's, um, I found that when people would come to me and say, what is it that you need? I, I really couldn't tell them what I needed at that moment. So it's always important to just go ahead and do for those people. Um, invite them to your Christmas holiday gathering. Invite them to your uh, book club. Um, you know, reach out to them and they can make the decision if they want to come or not. So I think it's just go ahead and do and, and help them by doing things for them. But asking is hard. Because the other person doesn't know what they need at that moment. My guests today are Ada Rodriguez and Christy Koval, two Connecticut residents who've lost loved ones in recent years. We're talking to them about how they navigate the holidays. And after the break, we're going to learn more about how adults can help children who are grieving. We want to hear from you. The number 888-720-9677. Or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. If you've lost a loved one, you know the holidays are an especially hard time of year. Uh, when a family member died, did you struggle with talking about death with your child? We want to hear from you today. Mm-hmm. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. We also wanted to know what's the best way to help a child through the grieving process. So joining uh, the conversation now is Barbara Giangreco, a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's a site director for the Meriden Family Program at the Cove Center for grieving children. Uh, Barbara, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, We heard a caller actually mention the Cove. It helped uh, her as she and her uh, children were grieving, and now they're part of a blended family, also of a family that also has lost a loved one. Uh, So tell us just briefly about your organization. Well, the Cove um, has been in existence this year. It's 25 years. We're celebrating our 25th year of service. We have seven sites across the state, uh, mine being one of them. Uh, Our foundation is the family program. However, we do have other programs available to folks uh, in regards to school system, the Good good Grief program, also professional development development, uh, in different uh, areas. Um, And it's it's just an incredible organization that when people are grieving or have a death in the family, it's difficult to reach out, as these ladies were saying before, not knowing where to go. So it's not actually the club that people want to become a part of right away, but it is something that is incredibly helpful to not just the kids, but to the families overall. Mm. Uh, before we hear more about some of the ways that you help children, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to do this show was uh, to give our listeners a chance to ask a question, especially if they're dealing with this. And so I wanted to go to uh, Andy in Wallingford. Uh, Andy, you're on the show. Go ahead. Hello there. How are you? I'm doing okay. Go ahead with your question or comment. I just wanted to bring up uh, the fact my uh, nine-year-old niece was murdered by an escapee from a mental hospital, and uh, that was a while ago, and uh, we all had to deal with that, but uh, a lot of us didn't deal with the grief. We buried it and became numb, and then... What happened later on, a lot of us, uh, the grief buried us in a way. Mm. 
uh, and we never sought out counseling. So it's so important for people to seek out counseling, especially no matter what happens when you have a loss, whether it's tragic or not. Uh, the counseling is so important, and I want to bring that up. Well, thank you, Andy, and we're sorry to hear about um, the how your niece uh, passed away. Um, you mentioned that at first, uh, many of you, uh, many of you in your family, tried to bury that grief. When did you finally uh, come up and, and try to get help? Oh, God, it was probably twenty years afterwards, mm-hmm. and that's when, uh, you know, to be honest, I had a mental breakdown, and so that's why it's so important. Uh, uh, for to get that grief counseling or to talk to somebody about it. Mm. You just I went into overwork mode and doing things that uh, uh, would uh, make me forget about everything. And so that's not the right way to do it. Well, thank you, Andy, uh, for sharing uh, part of your experience with us here on Where We Live. Uh, Barbara Giangreco is with us from The Cove. Uh, Andy's saying it's it's common to want to bury that grief. So tell us how you work with families to get past uh, wanting to kind of push it away, thinking that it's just going to go away. And that's a very normal reaction for almost everybody is if they don't think about it, don't talk about it, then it really isn't happening. But as Andy did say, that it, it doesn't go away. And so there's different ways of being able to, to manage it, especially with kids. One of the focuses that we have at the Cove is to really help kids and families keep the memory of the person who's died alive. And we do that in a lot of different ways. A lot of it is through hands-on activities or family activities that families do together. Um, I just wanted to be be open about how the Cove operates in working with kids. Not only are we helping to support kids, but we're also highly sensitive to the fact that the adults in their lives are also grieving. And so this is, this is something that has been dropped in their lap that there's no roadmap. There isn't a blueprint or a cookie cutter kind of explanation as to first you do this, then you do this, and then you feel wonderful. Uh, We call it the grief wave, the cove, because there are days when you're okay, and then there are days or even moments when you're not so okay. We like to be able to kind of do that in ways to be able to help support kids, letting them know that what they're feeling is okay. And there may be days when they're not feeling okay, but we encourage conversation with the adults and the kids. Can I ask when you're... um Dealing with a child, I'm thinking that grief manifests in different ways when it's a child versus an adult. And so I'm just wondering if you could maybe talk through what someone might be observing and how they should respond if they they see their child acting out in a certain way. Um, That's a great point. And I think that that really is indicative of the age of the child because obviously younger children don't have the ability to be able to um, verbalize their feelings or even understand them. As kids navigate through the years, they may have a little bit more influence from adults or from their own education to be able to talk about how they're feeling. And, and kids, if they can't tell us, they will show us. So they show us with their behaviors as far as what they're feeling. One of the things I think is important that we help to support the parents or caregivers with is to be able to to notice some of those things, but to also be open and honest and talk about, give the kids permission to talk about how they're, how they're feeling. 
Consistency and structure are huge for kids. So I heard you ladies talking about how it's important to keep some things the same while you're trying to change certain things. Um, the holidays really bring up in a, a, a myriad of emotions for a lot of people under the best of circumstances. So we want to be able to help kids enjoy the holiday, but also acknowledge that there might be some upheaval in emotions, not just from the kids, but from the adults. And how do you do that? How do you talk with them? Can you give us an example? So if I notice my child is not sleeping well or is quick to tantrums, wanting to acknowledge that uh, you know, we lost a loved one, but how do you talk about it with your child? The best way that we've found is to be honest and to be open and to acknowledge it. So when kids are showing us that they're not okay, um, we want to be able to make sure that they know that we're paying attention, to be able to say, gee, I noticed that you're having a really hard time working on that puzzle or that you snapped at your brother or whatever the case may be. Can, you, can we talk a little bit about that? Because you know what, today I was really sad because I was really missing daddy. I wonder if you're missing daddy. And, and some parents want to hold back on that because they don't want to upset the child. And the child sometimes doesn't want to talk about it because they're afraid they're going to upset the parent. Um, so it's really important to be able to take time to listen um, to the children, not just with ears, but with your eyes, to be able to uh, acknowledge and check in with them at the end of the day. How was your day today? Tell me what happened. Did something upset you? Let's talk about how you're feeling. And where are you feeling that in your body? Mm -hmm. um, does your stomach hurt? Does your head hurt? Um, the more we're able to give kids cues, the more they're going to start to feel comfortable about telling, a, mm -hmm. telling us how they feel. Uh, we were talking with both Ada and Christy in studio about how grief really is a journey. Uh, it might feel uh, really strong uh, after a particular uh, person has passed away, but it might bubble up later. And so how do you navigate that with a child? Well, I think it's important to, um, to also be... Um, honest with kids when you're having a difficult time um, because kids need to know that this is a normal reaction when you're feeling sad and you're missing someone. So if we as adults are, are struggling, we want to be able to let the kids know that it's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel all these feelings that we don't know what to do with because if we can do that with our kids. It helps them to, or it helps to normalize um, what we're experiencing to say, you know, it's okay if you feel this way. So there may be some days when it is okay to smile. It's okay to have fun. Daddy would still want you to be smiling and having a good time. Um, because we will be teaching our children that if we don't show how we're feeling, we need to hide that. And as our caller was saying, Andy, that all those feelings were hidden for a while until they kind of percolated up and they came out in ways that were unhealthy. Mm. Uh, before we run out of time, again, Barbara Giangreco is here from the Cove Center for Grieving Children. Uh, Barbara, how can our listeners find your services? Uh, are there ways that the Cove is, is hooked up with, say, particular schools or pediatricians so when they notice something with their child, they know where to turn? We get a lot of our referrals from school systems, from medical institutions, um, from pediatric sites. Um, we also have all of our services um, posted on our website. Um, so there is a wealth of information there. 
Our coordinating office happens to be in Meriden, and just calling the office itself would give people the um, the information that they might be looking for to help navigate wherever they are in the midst of their grief process. Mm. Uh, this week, again, uh, the holidays are really coming to a head. Uh, just a, a couple of tips for families as they, they head uh, towards uh, uh, these, uh, these particular days when there are family gatherings. Um, one of the things I think that's important to be mindful of is, is to be flexible um, because Again, as it was mentioned earlier on uh, in the show, that you know you want to hold on to some rituals, but sometimes it's it's good to be able to try new things to ask the kids what they would like to do. Um, they may want to continue to do the same things they've done every year when that loved one was there, or they might want to do something different. Creating new transitions is okay um, because um, moving on from that grief process into a different direction, although we're still experiencing those feel, excuse me, those feelings. Is, is really important to, to do new things. Um, and again, have fun um, if you can. Um, the holidays are a very stressful time, and it's a heavy burden to carry this grief pack, pa- package that we have. Uh, so we want to be able to allow kids to be kids and to have some fun during this time. Well, I want to thank Barbara Giangreco for coming in today, a licensed marriage and family therapist, also site director for the Meriden Family Program at the Cove Center for Grieving Children. And Barbara also has a private practice in Wallingford. Barbara, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. My other guests, uh, Christy Koval, a Middletown resident, and Ada Rodriguez, a West Hartford resident who's also a licensed professional counselor in Newington. Christy and Ada, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lucy. Uh, We focus today on uh, people who have lost loved ones, uh, but we should also acknowledge that the holidays can be a tough time for anyone. And so if you are struggling, I want to give you the hotline 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, uh, where you can seek out help if you need it. Uh, Today's show produced by Carmen Baskoff. I'm Lucy Nopithanchel. Thanks for listening.